Welcome to Adolescence and Beyond, the space for figuring out parenting styles, relationships with your teenager and young adult, and most of all, understanding you. I'm your host, Gina Dermody, Adolescent Psychotherapist, and we're going to take a deep dive into understanding our best strengths, our scary challenges, and the opportunities we have to figure out Adolescence and Beyond. Welcome back to the Adolescence and Beyond podcast. Adolescent psychotherapy is the theme for discussion today. Why have I brought that up? Often people ask me, what age is an adolescent? What does therapy actually do? What's adolescent psychotherapy about? So I figured it was time to start a conversation about what it is all about, my perspective. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to be speaking with other people, other therapists, about how adolescent therapy actually works in its various forms. So for those of you that have been tuned in, you will know that I am an adolescent psychotherapist. And technically, that means that I work with young people, teenagers, adolescents, from about the 10 and a half all the way up to what I call emerging adulthood, which is age 30. Now, of course, I didn't invent that term. Um, A far wiser, much more experienced um, therapist, psychologist, Arnett, came up with the emerging adulthood theme. So what happens that brings somebody into adolescent psychotherapy for starters? I think we, we live in a society now where parents are well tuned in. They're well tuned into the discussion on mental health. They're well tuned into how can I help my son or my daughter? What can I be doing more of? And while I only see a small percentage, really, of the overall adolescent population, because I'm one of many services, I see parents turn up with their adolescent wanting to know more, wanting to find out more. So how do I offer a service that's tuned into adolescents while also being focused on parents. So for me, adolescent therapy and, and what my training was about was working with the adolescent and working with the parents or caregivers. For me, it makes perfect sense because I would find it hard to work with an adolescent just in isolation without contact with the parents, without fine-tuning their interventions, my interventions, and meeting somewhere where we can have a collaboration to support the adolescent. I guess what I always say to people when they come in is, it's their job to make me redundant. I'm an add-on, I'm a resource in their life at this moment in time. And I'm not there to point out flaws. Goodness, no. Um... I certainly can put my hand up as a parent and see a lot of my flaws, a lot of my learning. 
And I don't think any one of us are in a position to say, this is the right way or this is how you should do it. So when I meet people, I'm interested in how their family's working. What's going on for them? What are the strengths in this family? What are the workings of this family? What have been some of the hurts? What are some of the stressors? What's the concern or the curiosity around now? And I guess I stay with that term curiosity because in supporting adolescents and supporting parents or caregivers, my main role is to open up curiosity. I guess psychotherapy is is a job where, as a profession, we, we are trained to be curious. We are sometimes trained like detectives to to unearth some of the layers that might be present there. We always pay attention to shame because we don't want to add to any suffering, to any regrets, to any guilt, but rather explore what might be going on. And so when an adolescent presents, it's um, usually a mom who will ring and I would say 80% are, are moms ringing. And they will ring to say, you know, this is what's happening for my teenager and I'm concerned. And then I will always meet with a parent, parents or caregiver first so that we can do that nice exploration together of how everything is working, what the value system is, what's really important in this family, what some of the losses might have been so that I can gently unfold what might have contributed to whatever the parent or caregivers feel that the adolescent is presenting with at the moment. And I think for most of my colleagues and I, the highest presentation is anxiety. And the cause of concern is, will it ever change? Will I ever get rid of it? And sometimes how on earth am I going to manage it? And I certainly know since COVID, the presentation of anxiety has showed itself in school refusal, in real fears and phobias. So a difficulty showing up, a difficulty concentrating and a difficulty focusing. And an overall difficulty integrating back into a social life and an education system where supply and demand don't always match. So quite rightly, a parent or a caregiver will come in and they will say, look, these are the symptoms. And as we gently unpack what might be going on, we find that there's a lovely young person who's present, a young person who might be a little bit lost, a little bit volatile, a little bit confused. And we start to then explore what the parents or the caregivers hope is for therapy. And I guess like many therapists, what, what I tend to hear is, I just want my son or my daughter to be happy. And it's a beautiful statement. And it's one that says, I care, I love, I just want them to be okay. And what I tend to do is I tend to explore, well, what would that look like? Because my idea of happiness and maybe your idea of happiness could be very, very different. And as we 
I suppose as we look at that, we start to manage expectations. We start to notice maybe when the happiness curve started to dip or started to change. We start to learn what happiness means in this family, what happiness might mean for this young person. So we, we, we're then tapping into the energy in this family and what they feel they can do to add to the happiness, maybe what they can do to take some of the stressors away. And from there, we make a decision about whether the young person is ready to come in. For some um, parents and caregivers, they are the ones that end up coming in doing the work and they may come for a few sessions as they look at their boundaries, as they look at their skills and competencies. And we find that doing that work together is enough to affect change with their um, son or their daughter. For various reasons, uh, an adolescent may be reluctant to come in. And I, I've often, you know, gone out to a car to, to try and do therapy with an adolescent because they're scared to come in. They're resistant to change and they become rigid, um, rigid. And it's like, nope, 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 not doing therapy, not going in to see that strange woman. No way. She's going to read my mind and, oh my God, I can't do it. So often the work with the parents is supporting them to be confident in their parenting style, to look at things that whoever is parenting, you know, it may be a whole family, it may be one parent, it may be two, whoever the caregiver is. Okay, what, what can we do here to build your confidence, to build your resilience, to tap into your kindness, to manage expectations? And for some people, it's the dread and fear that their adolescent will never get out of the bed. For some people, it's a concern about drink or drugs, focus at school. There can be various concerns. And sometimes we go back and, and we look at the parents themselves. And what, what were you like at 17? And this usually can, I suppose, bring a, a softness and, and almost a, a humor to the sessions as they recall oh my goodness, you know, he or she is just like me or gosh, I hated school too. And we say, well, how did that turn out for you? And what are you doing now? And are you happy? So adolescent psychotherapy is about enriching and supporting parents' experiences. And sometimes we're able to meet in a, in a very agreeable place. Sometimes we will leave with different ideas that they'll feel, you know, therapy is not for them. And I may not be the right fit for some people and for other people, they need time to explore and they need time to see, well, what is their biggest fear? Because if parents have fears, which we all do, it, it can trickle down into adolescence and our fears become their fears. And for example, we may have had difficult experiences in education and so then we're fearful of that young person going into first year of being anxious or being awkward, of being reserved, you know, some of the terms socially awkward, shy. And, and it can really get caught up until we look at this young person and actually see what they are able to do. So then the young person um, with support from the parents or caregivers will come into therapy. And I will explain to them how I work and I will explain about the limits to confidentiality. I will explain about liaising with their parents, but holding in mind that their session is very private and very sacred 
and that we're here to figure a few things out. And I guess this is where the work, you know, takes on a different lens because I would work very creatively with adolescents. And what do I mean by that? It means sometimes we can sit in that chair and we can have a long conversation. And sometimes we need to do this through art, through sand space work, through exploration using other mediums that gives them a language. Because as, as most of you know that are listening here, you sometimes ask an adolescent how they're doing. Fine. Okay. Grand. No, nothing happened today. It's amazing. They can go through a whole day and nothing happens. So you can imagine they come into therapy and they're meeting a stranger and they're there because there is some issue and some problem. And so they can be very guarded. They can be very private. And it's my job to help them feel safe. And it's my job for them to see the best in them, to understand a fear, to understand an anxiety and to understand that there are ways to manage all these things that we think and feel. And it's to help them to be honest with some of their fears, with some of their dreams and their wishes. Because sometimes if we really think back, we, we, we suffer with, I couldn't tell anybody that, or if someone knew that about me, they'd never talk to me again. And we know that adolescents spend a lot of time overthinking. And they overthink because they're scared of judgment. Many things for them are a first, many things are them for new. So we look at that. Well, what would be the best possible outcome here? What would it be like if we could put fear or anxiety down, what do you think you would be able to do or see or say about yourself? So it's helping adolescents to look at them, to look at the family, to look at some of the rules, to look at some of the values. It's helping them to become negotiators. It's helping them to see that no life goes unexamined. No life goes without stress or anxiety. And it's a balancing act then. And what I'm always trying to do is let them know that I am not an expert. No one is an expert on adolescence. What we build is a community of resources that we can tap into. So they may have a favorite teacher. They may have a favorite relative. And these people can be a mind of information. They, they may have a parent or caregiver who's actually saying what I'm saying. It's just I'm saying in it in a different way and, and I have the benefit of being objective because we all know that place where a family member gives us advice and we scoff at them. We think they're ridiculous and someone else might tell us something they're amazing. So it's helping them to see that for most of the time, parents are receptive and they care. Some of the time, this relationship can be very difficult very, very difficult. And we also need to manage that because we're not always on the same page. We're not always able to relate to a parent. We're not always able to relate to a young person. So sometimes we have to fine tune our expectations and we have to look at what's manageable. Sometimes I have worked with granny and granddad who have come into the session and told me a whole different other story about the young person that maybe hasn't been shown elsewhere especially the young person who's in trouble. It turns out they're really helpful to granny or granddad or they have such interesting conversations. 
we always have these hidden parts that we don't know about. If you think of adolescents as still developing and growing, they don't come into their prefrontal cortex, their adulthood as such, until they're about 24. So that's a lot of time of patience, of building skills, building resilience, getting to know yourself, living through fears and phobias. And for adolescents, that sometimes can feel like too long a journey because they want to know the answer now and they want to get it right now. I don't decide how long therapy is going to be. We decide as a team, the young person and I, and in consultation with parents, how this is going to work, how it's progressing, what we might need to change in terms of our focus, our expectations. And again, it's back to the idea that their job is to make me redundant. Their job is to build trust and faith in themselves so that they can work with all the love that they have. And sometimes cases are very challenging and very difficult. And sometimes therapy works. Sometimes it needs to stop and be revisited in the future. But I think a big part of my job is being honest with people, being honest in what I see, being honest in what I'm observing. Because a big part of my training is taking care of me. And in doing that, that's ongoing therapy, that's supervision in my work, that's group supervision, that's courses, anything that helps me to be a better therapist. And I need to be authentic in that. And I need to be real in that. And that is about looking after me. So whether it's me walking the dog, me going for a swim, me trying to eat less sugar, It's all part of me being able to be present in that therapeutic space. Because people take a big chance when they come into a therapist. They take a big chance on putting their trust, their faith, their fears, stuff that maybe nobody knows about them and asking you to hold it with them. And so if I can help a young person, if I can help a family hold something, look at it in a different way, bring a focus of kindness and love into it, then I know I'm doing a good job with anyone on that particular day. Then I know I'm staying interested in adolescent therapy, which I do love. And I'm staying interested in the role of parents and caregivers and all that they bring to an adolescent. And this emerging young adult who is going to go out in the world, who is going to explore, who is going to want to be happy, who is going to want to be interested in themselves. And the more we can build interest in ourselves, the more we build a sense of purpose, the more we stay focused on what we're good at. A lot of young people do suffer with anxiety and they may have anxiety because of trauma, they may have anxiety because of sudden change, they may be grappling with neurodiversity. So we have to find the way that their brain works, the way that their environment works, and what they hope for themselves. Because a big part of the work is about hope. What would you like for you? What do you think you would be good at? If you don't think you would be good at it, what do you think is the biggest barrier there? Is it fear? Is it something somebody said to you at some stage? Is it illness? You know, let's let's look at this. 
So the work is always varied. It's always interesting. It's always changing because we always have new trainings. We have new theories. We have new concepts. And it's important to stay on top of these so that I can offer a service that is genuine to me and my skills, is genuine to who I am as a person and is genuine to my interest in working with adolescents and working with parents and caregivers. And if we can bring all that together, then we, we have an adolescent service that is, is person-centred. And I know we hear about different services and the struggles in services, and there always seems to be a lack of funding for the appropriate services. I think all the services, public and private, that are adolescent-focused are good. What tends to get in the way is often a lack of finances, a lack of space, because there's good people in the services. But it's like many services, you know, when you don't have the finances, when you don't have the support maybe from, from the very top, it's hard to maintain services, it's hard to have consistency. So that's just a brief, I suppose, insight into what adolescent psychotherapy is about. It's about the young person, it's about the family, whoever they look, and it's about helping them to come together to be their best support to each other. Because home is where we start from. And home is where we find our values, sometimes our losses, sometimes our fears, sometimes our love. And if we can integrate that, then we're helping a young person to go out in the world with a better sense of self, with a future that they believe in and not held back by the past, not held back by not feeling good enough, but actually held together by love, connection, resilience and strength. So to be part of that is, um, it is a privilege. Now, as I said, there will be interviews coming up shortly with different professionals and I will be talking to them about their own adolescence, um, their journey into wherever they are. So please stay tuned. And of course, if you want to leave a comment or there's anything that is of particular interest to you, please feel free to drop me a line. Until next time, take care. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. As always, if you would like to ask me a question or perhaps leave me a comment, you'll find me over on Instagram under Adolescence or you can send me a quick email. We're always trying to make life a little bit easier and a little bit more fun. So please take care until we meet again next week.